Okay, so I'm not going to lie. When I found out that I was preaching on Mother's Day, I was not expecting to preach on the demon-possessed man. I had something different in mind. But you know, God has a message in every story, and I'm sure this is going to end really well. I've put on my 90s colourful shirt to brighten things up, and in my desperation as I prepared, I've done something that I've never done before. I'm starting with a joke. I'm going to give Mary a run for her money. I might even have two jokes. I'm really awful at jokes. I'm one of those people who forgets the punchline, but I've got it written down, so bear with me. And then, like, I looked up specifically Mother's Day jokes. Fred is 32 years old, and he is still single. One day, a friend asked, why aren't you married? Can't you find a woman who will be a good wife? Fred replied, actually, I found many women I wanted to marry, but when I bring them home to meet my parents, my mother doesn't like them. His friend thinks for a moment and says, I've got the perfect solution. Just find a girl who's just like your mother. A few months later, they meet again, and his friend says, did you find the perfect girl? Did your mother like her? With a frown on his face, Fred answers, yes, I found the girl. She was just like my mother. You were right. My mother liked her very much. The friend said, then what's the problem? Fred replied, my father doesn't like her. <laughs> Do you want one more? Okay. A little girl asked her mum, how did the human race appear? Mum answered, God made Adam and Eve and they had children. And so was all mankind made. Two days later, the girl asked her dad the same question. Dad answered, many years ago, there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mum and said, Mum, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God? And Dad said they developed from monkeys. The mother answered, well, dear, it is very simple. I told you about my side of the family and your father told you about his. I'm not planning on starting a new career, but just in case, I've got a couple of jokes. Um, I'm also doing something else that's different. I've got all my notes on my phone today, so bear with me as I work through this. And the worship team did a brilliant job today because actually the songs that they sang really speak in today's, um, into today's sermon. This sermon is meant to be all about freedom, the freedom that we received as a gift when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. But we've got here an example of a man who has been set free. And as soon as I read this, it reminded me of a song that I heard during a very difficult time, actually a friend who I'd only just met, didn't know my circumstances at the time, but sent me through this song and said, I feel this is for you. And the song had um, some very simple words that were just repeated over and over again. I'm going to ask you guys to join me in repeating them out loud. The song is by a woman called Tasha Cobbs, and it says, there is power in the name of Jesus. And she says that three times. Can you do that with me three times? You've got to say it like you mean it, guys, right? Because I'm not a stand-up comedian, so I'm not going to say, come on, we can do that better. Let's just go for it. You ready? One, two, three. 
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And then she goes on to say, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Let's do it, guys. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. This song came at a time in our lives where we were going through a very dark period with our eldest son. (laughs) Jesus with our eldest son, Solomon. So some of you have already heard his testimony, and today I want to share a little bit of mine. It's actually quite a long story, and we don't have enough time, so I'm going to give you a taster for it, but anyone who wants to speak to me and find out more can come up afterwards. Solomon had struggled with his mental health, depression, and over time, he... Um, became addicted to drugs as a solution. But in the darkest time, we didn't recognize our beautiful son, who we knew was a child of God, because Solomon actually was baptized as a baby, but then chose to be baptized himself again when he was 11 years old. So we knew he was a child of God, but we didn't recognize him during this dark period. He would have fits of rage. He would be shrieking. I mean, to the point where he would be throwing things around in his room. And we would have a neighbor, like there was occasion where a neighbor came over and knocked on the door to check that everything was all right. Did they need to call the police? He was self-destructive. He would cut himself and burn himself. He attempted to commit suicide on two occasions. It was a dark time. And I remember one particular day, Suj and I were in his room with him and he was throwing things around, just fits of rage. We couldn't recognize him. He looked like he was possessed by something, but we knew he was a child of God. And in that moment, I don't understand why, it was before this friend had sent me this song, I stood in his room And while all of this chaos and turmoil was happening around us, I just simply said, Jesus, out loud, Jesus, 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 over and over again, until eventually he started to calm down. Asuja and I left the room. There wasn't a miraculous thing that had happened, but in that moment, God brought a peace. The thing is, this description of the man reminds me of Solomon. He was isolated. He lived in our house, but he was isolated. He would sleep all day, and then he'd be up all night. So we didn't really get to see him. And he'd be wandering around sometimes in the evenings. He would go out, and we didn't know where he was, but we assumed he was trying to find a solution. He often complained how there were voices in his head. Not voices that he heard, but just thoughts, lots of things. His head was always full. 
and he couldn't find any peace. And so this, this reading, one day I was crying out to God. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I was so worried about him. We desperately loved him and we didn't know how to help him. And I couldn't get to sleep. And I remember being in floods of tears. And I got up and I went to the bathroom to get a glass of water. And I was crying. I said, Lord Jesus, he is your son. You own him. He is not possessed by demons because you own him and you live in him. There is no home for anything other than Jesus Christ in this child. And it's true for all of us. When you believe you are owned by God, he resides in you. There is no space for anything else. And I cried out, rescue him, Lord, rescue him. And not long after, I opened to this passage. And I knew, as dramatic and intense as this passage sounds, there was promise for a future and redemption and salvation and hope. I found it really difficult to prepare for today's sermon because it's an emotional subject, but we quite happily discuss it because we want to share the good news that comes from this story. In the same way that Jesus asks the man after he is healed to go out and share with others. But what I found difficult was, this is not my story. It is Solomon's. And I think it's true for all of us. We can read this and think, this is not our story. We, we're not possessed by demons. That part is true. But actually, there is something of each of us in this story. Here's a question I want to ask you. Have you ever felt isolated? Not as in lonely, but as in you're hiding something. You're pulling away from the world or someone or even yourself where you're filled with great shame. There might be something that you're wrestling with. There might be a storm in your head that you're wrestling with. A sin, a weakness, an area that you don't want to tell anyone else about. I could be wrong, but my assumption is that most of us have felt that way at some point. I know that I certainly have. And so this story is as much for me as it was for my son. Sometimes, do you say to people, I feel like I'm going mad. There's so much, and I feel like I'm going mad to the point that we may even feel alienated from God. We're too ashamed to even bring it to God. Where are you hiding? What are you hiding? I don't expect you to tell everyone, by the way. I'm not going to get you to do that. Don't worry. But it's just to point out that even when we are saved, the enemy continues to try and find a foothold he wants to get a grip of the areas that we're most vulnerable, where we feel most fragile, because he only needs to get the foot in the door. And then things start to become chaotic, and they're usually related to our desires. Have you noticed that, that often the thing you desire most is the one that brings you the least peace? Sin has existed from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, they hid from God. They also hid because they were ashamed. Sin is part of the human condition. 
But we have been redeemed. We have been set free by a Jesus who died for us and rose again because that was his gift for us today. We have been redeemed, not just a little bit. Our whole lives have been redeemed. This is what this book is about. It is a love story of his redemption, his salvation for each and every one of us. Not just that little bit of your life that you can manage and handle, but for the really dark places that you hide from everyone, including God. He sees it all. He knows. And he doesn't even expect us to go seeking him. He comes to find us. And this is what he's done here with this man. Who made the first move? Jesus did. Jesus stepped out of the boat. And then the man came running. Now, we don't know. Did the man come running because he's full of faith? Or is he coming to run towards Jesus because the demons recognize him? Well, certainly they do. But what we know about this story is that it is in a non-Jewish area, an area where there are Gentiles. We know this because there are pigs in the field and they would seem to be unclean. And the Gentiles weren't expecting a Messiah to come and save them because a Messiah was meant to be for the Jewish people. And yet this man comes running out from his cave where he's been living, in the tombs, amongst the dead, where everything about his life was surrounded in death. He comes running out and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, son of the most high God. How does he know this? In the chapter before chapter five, we've just come through a storm with the disciples in the boat with Jesus. And he calms the storm and they say, who is this? They've been traveling with him in the boat. They've been walking with him already. And they're asking, who is this? And yet this man who has never met Jesus says, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God. James chapter two says this, you believe there is one God? Good, good for you that you believe there is one God. That's nothing to be proud of. Even demons believe. And they shudder. They tremble. And we see this in this man. He rushes and he bows before Jesus. Jesus, the son of the most high God. And he begs him not to torture him because Jesus has already started to command the spirits out of this man. They don't ha- he created this man in his image. And they don't belong in this man. This man belongs to Jesus. And I feel a little bit sorry for the pigs here, don't you? (laughs) Why would Jesus put them in pigs and then send them down a hill and drown them? Well, actually, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. 
The demons ask, please, we don't want to be sent into the abyss. Put us in the pigs. Okay, I'll put you. You're an unclean spirit. Actually, not even just one, but you are a legion. That's the word that was used to describe the Roman armies in full force, three to 6,000. And he answers them, yes, I'll put you. You're unclean. I'm going to put you in an unclean animal where there is just more uncleanliness. And that's what happens when you pile on dirt, on dirt, on dirt. He didn't tell them to run off and drown themselves. But when you get enveloped in such chaos and dirt, you feel like you're drowning, don't you? And that's what they did. They ran off and they drowned. It's not the first time that God's enemies have drowned. We know this from Exodus. It seems to be a common theme here, that when you feel like drowning, God has the victory. I remember praying, please God, deliver soul from drugs. I claim him in Jesus' name. He is a son of God. Deliver him, rescue him, redeem him. And God answered my prayers. He answered all of our prayers for us who were closest to him and were praying. He answered our prayers. Solomon went to um, a Christian drug rehabilitation community and he lived there for almost two years. But because it happened in the height of the pandemic, we didn't get to see Solomon for five months. The first day that we went to see him, he said to me, Mum, God's put a new heart in me. He's given me another chance. And he looks so different. And I don't know if um, we've got the photo of him, but I just, yeah, I just want to show you. The photo on your left is a photo that was taken the first day he went into drug rehab. The photo on the right is when he just came out almost a year ago, and he sits there now. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's what salvation looks like. It looks different. It's transformative. But it doesn't mean that we're not still battling demons. Solomon, very sadly, has recently experienced some difficulties and hard problems and really sad news. Two of his friends have died recently, one suicide, one cancer. Three friends have overdosed on drugs. One is still in the coma. And he is struggling with his faith. Of course he will be, because the enemy is trying to find a way to come in and reclaim, but he can't do that because God has the victory. Jesus has the victory. He claimed him as his son and he will continue to fight for him. But the interesting thing that's come up is I'm still telling you about Solomon's story. In the meantime, the Lord is highlighting my own issues here. I'm his mother. 
And I hear these things and I'm thinking, Lord, please, we don't want to go back there again. I'm worried. I worry about him. And what Jesus did so well today was he highlighted my own demons, my own insecurities about being an awful mother. We recently found out that Solomon has severe ADHD, which explains some of the emotional turmoil he's experienced. And none of this is to be confused with mental health issues. This is completely different. Solomon will most likely need to be on medication for the rest of his life. But God will use the weak areas in our life to make us stronger because the enemy will use the weak areas in our life to try and claim us for his. But he won't have the victory because we've already been redeemed. But every day we wake up and we must remember the salvation that was gifted to us through Jesus Christ. The freedom. We can walk in freedom because we can remember we, we received it. I think we're going to be having communion today. And that's something to meditate on as you come up and receive communion. What are the areas in your life that you are hiding, that you feel shame? The sin that you want to fall down before Jesus and offer to him. And be reminded of the freedom that you have already received. God's dealing with my demons and insecurities of being a bad mother. We could have done things differently. What pride is that? What pride is that? We're all imperfect people. Nothing I can do will ever save any of my children. Because Jesus has the victory. My power isn't sufficient. It is only the power by the Holy Spirit that will have the victory. When I told Solomon I was preaching about this, he said to me, it's not just about sacrificing one thing or one area of your life that is really bringing you to your knees. It's about sacrificing your own reality to Jesus to receive his freedom. We have our own version of reality. Are we willing to sacrifice that? Because I don't know about you, but it's painful when you beg and you pray and you plead for God to bring you deliverance and healing in an area of your life and things get worse. And you, like, like the people who had witnessed this, you want to turn around and turn away. It's like, Jesus, please deal with this area but not too much because it's too painful. Actually, forget about it. Don't worry, I'd rather sit with my pain. I want to sit with my addiction to drugs, alcohol, gambling, lust, gluttony, fear, whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable because you've known it all your life. This is where we rely on the Holy Spirit's power. This morning at the nine o'clock service, we sang a hymn, and one of the lines was, my chains fell off, my heart is set free. And this is what happens when we know Jesus and we receive his freedom. Sure, there's a visible transformation like there was in Solomon, but the transformation doesn't stop there. It continues all our life until we come to meet him face to face. As little by little, the chains are removed 
and we are set free. So the question is, what are you hiding from? What do you need to bring to Jesus today? To be reminded, if you haven't met Jesus, then you can come up for prayer today to receive his freedom. But if you have, if you have received Jesus into your heart, bring those things to him today in communion. And when you receive his body and blood, walk away with a reminder of the freedom that you already received once before. I think we started off with knowing the power of the name of Jesus. And um, I just wanted to remind you that in Romans chapter 10, I think we have the verse on screen. Paul tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is my prayer for today. Holy Spirit, show us what turning away from you looks like in our lives. Walk with us where you want to set us free. Help us recognize the ways we resist this and remind us of your gift of freedom. Help to guide our steps into what needs to change as you transform us and deliver us the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in freedom, the freedom that you gifted us and we have received. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.